This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to be looking at Hitman 3, the final game in the world of Assassination Trilogy. But before that, a recap of some of the biggest news from the past week with Dashon Johan and Daryl Ong. Thank you, Hanif. Fans of the Mass Effect trilogy rejoice. The long-awaited remasters of the series have been officially announced with more details after being teased a couple of months back. The collection will be available worldwide on the 14th of May on PC via Origin and Steam, PS4 and Xbox One. No specific versions for the next-gen is announced, but of course, you can play the games on your next-gen consoles via backwards compatibility. Mm. The legendary edition includes the single-player content for Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, along with more than 40 DLCs, including story expansions, weapons, armor packs in 4K and HDR. Apart from the resolution, character models are also remastered, together with improvements to shaders, lighting, dynamic shadows, volume metrics and depth of field. For the original Mass Effect, EA also said that it will have comprehensive world building enhancements with added details together with improved UI interfaces and more modernized handling and control. Yeah, and the character creator options will also work across all three games and include improved and expanded selection of hair, makeup and skin tone options. And Female Shepherd from ME3 will also now be the default Female Shepherd option for all three games. That's right, definitely an exciting announcement for Mass Effect fans and for those who have never played the series before, like myself, this is a perfect place to start. Of course, this comes on the back of the announcement made late last year regarding a new Mass Effect game now in development. BioWare has now confirmed that a veteran team is working on that yet-to-be-titled Mass Effect game. Exciting stuff. Our next story is on Blizzard. If you're a fan of games by Blizzard and you think you'll be able to see Overwatch 2 or Diablo 4 this year, you might want to keep your expectations low. According to reports, Activision Blizzard isn't planning on releasing either Overwatch Watch 2 or Diablo 4 this year in their earnings meeting with investors for the coming year recently. Another game that was not included in their projections for the year was Diablo Immortals, but that mobile game is progressing well and is anticipated to be launched this year. Yes, and this news comes ahead of BlizzCon that's scheduled to happen online from the 19th to the 20th of February. And Activision the Blizzard is expected to announce some new information on Overwatch 2. Yes, and Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 were announced at BlizzCon 2019, but no new information has been shared since. So definitely keep an eye out on BlizzCon. And in the meantime, you guys can continue playing Overwatch and Diablo 3. Moving on, we all know that Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO and founder, has decided to leave the company. His replacement, AWS CEO Andy Jassy, has been making statements and now pledged support to the company's gaming division after reports of internal struggles at Amazon Game Studios. That's right. Amazon has a gaming division but their entry into the industry has been quite rocky so far with the biggest blunder being the release of their first major release a third person shooter called Crucible Welcome to Crucible where each match is a struggle for control 
You and your teammates won't just be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the competition. You'll have to adapt to and overcome everything the planet itself throws at you. It was so disastrous that they had to shut it down months after its official launch. Crazy, but according to a report by Bloomberg, Jesse is not giving up and has reaffirmed his commitment to making video games while acknowledging the challenges. And in an email that was seen by Bloomberg, Jesse also expressed support for Mike Frazzini, the head of Amazon Game Studios. The email from Jesse apparently came as a follow-up to an email from Mike Frazzini addressing the behind-the-scenes issue the studio is facing. And according to Bloomberg report, apparently there is a negative bro culture at Amazon Game Studios together with problems of mismanagement project cancellations as well as technical issues involving the game engine. Frazzini also said that the studio has zero tolerance for this kind of behaviour and that making great games is hard and we're not going to get everything right. Despite the troubles though, both Frazzini and the incoming Amazon CEO Andy Jassy seems to not be giving up just yet, so we'll have to see. Amazon might have these resources, but they are also facing competitions from the giants of the industry who are definitely more expensive. Experienced. Hmm. Last but not least, I'm sure a lot of you out there have been following the story involving GameStop, America's iconic but struggling video game retailer, hedge fund investors from Wall Street, and the folks from the subreddit Wall Street Bat. Yes, and the story is slowly stabilizing now, but to get a bit of a refresher on what's been happening and how it will potentially affect GameStop, especially in the long run, Honey Barini speaks to Jack Cousy, Director of Strategy at VFS Group. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's quite an honour. It's actually the first time I've ever been on a gaming podcast news channel, so uh, it's quite an honour. All right, so let me, I think in order for your listeners to understand what has happened, we kind of got to go back into the past a little bit, not too far, but i got to take you back to maybe March, April during the depths of the pandemic. You know, while the world was in shock, we were shutting down borders and we were keeping people at home. And what was happening at that time also was there were no sports on. So let's just keep that for a second. Now, people are at home. There's not much to do. They suddenly turned their attention to the stock market. And what we saw during March and April of 2020 is we saw a lot of newcomers come into the stock market. Not only newcomers, but maybe people who had one eye on it suddenly become more involved in front of the screens, looking at stocks, analyzing things, buying and selling things. So it was a, a wave of new investors, which we kind of termed the Robin Hood traders or the Robin Hood investors. And we thought as institutional guys, as someone like a fund manager, that while some of them would stay, most of them would go away, but that didn't necessarily happen. So we're in the midst of this new wave of investors in the market and there's no sports on. So those gamblers who used to gamble on sports also came into the stock market. Now, the thing with GameStop, it kind of started around December 8, 2020. And what happened was GameStop shares tanked. And when I mean tanked, they fell really aggressively when they missed their Wall Street estimates. So for those of you out there who don't know, if you are listed in the United States as a stock, you have to give a report or a quarterly report every quarter. And basically, you tell the public, this is how much money we made. This is what type of revenue we made. Um, and this is you know the health of the business. So what happened in December 2020, early December, was GameStop came out and it was a total miss. It was a really bad quarter, which ended a very bad year for the company. They had um, closed stores all around the world because of the pandemic, 
and they were facing intense competition from other digital sellers. So people that sell games online. And what we need to remember about GameStop here, Muhammad, is it's a retail store, right? It's a box and dice store in the world of Amazon, Baba, Shopify, you name it. So that happened. So the stock price was could have been viewed as cheap, but a really bad quarter that finished off a bad year. Then in around Jan 11, Jan 10, GameStop appointed the founder of Chewy, which is a gentleman called Ryan Cohen. So if you don't know who Chewy is, Chewy is this online pet store that's done really, really well in the United States, and its share price has doubled. So people thought, okay, this is really optimistic. Here's a guy who's transitioned something from being a box and dice, you know, physical retail store into an online store. Jan 13, GameStop shares rise 57%, followed by another 27% the next following day, and they're trading at 39.90. So Back to the new conduit of investors in the market, there's a thing in markets that they call short selling. And I'll break it down as simply as possible for everybody at home. What happens is, is you can borrow stock to sell it in the hope of buying it back for a cheaper price and therefore you're making money. So simply put, I get GameStop shares, I sell it at $10 and then I anticipate the share price to go down. So I buy it back for $8. So I've received 10 I've paid eight and then I make $2. And that tends to happen in markets. And there's a thing in markets called the short squeeze. So what basically happened was all these new investors, all these Reddit investors, all these Wall Street bet guys, these new retail guys got together and said, what is the most heavily shorted stock out there in the market, right? What is the instos really thinking is going to go down? Let's buy it up and let's cause what they call in market a short squeeze. So what a short squeeze is, those people that have sold down the stock, if you get a wave of buyers, they suddenly have to reverse their positions because they're losing money. And in order to reverse their positions, they have to turn their sells into buys, which is why it's called a squeeze because it squeezes more buyers and then pushes the price up parabolically. And I do a really good 30-second video on my Instagram on that. So that's what happened. And then it turned into a bit of Wall Street versus the retail guy or David versus Goliath. And, and this kind of eventuated when a research company called Citron out of the US said that anyone buying GameStop shares was a sucker in a poker game. And that led to a wave of, of new buyers through Reddit and Wall Street. And it also led to let's get after the Wall Street guys. And they got after them so hard that a firm within the US had to ask for a $2.45 billion loan to save itself because it'd been hit by the long buyers in this game. So by January 25, GameStop stock was up 144%. It was bigger than 90% of the companies in the Russell 3000. Now, you guys might know what the Russell 3000, but it's a basket of small cap stocks. It's a big index that you look to. And this was an amazing story to be watching from the sidelines. Now what we've seen is the share price has absolutely collapsed as sellers leave and there's no one to buy that stock. And we're here where we are right now. So I hope that kind of explained it simply and, of course, you know, uh, dramatically for those people listening at home. So I guess you've alluded to it, but why GameStop specifically? People have called it a meme stock, but was there any sentimental attachment towards the retail chain by these retail investors? Or was GameStop just a pawn in their crusade against these hedge funds? That's a really good question. I, no, look, to be honest with you, it was 
look, it this started, I guess, back in there was some instance where they liked the stock when the Chewy founder came in. He actually declared that it was a major owner in August 2020. But from everything that I can see and everything that I've read, they went after the stock because it was heavily shorted. And the reason why they went after the stock that was heavily shorted is to create that short squeeze. So there was an intention to make sellers who had shorted the stock reverse their sales by buying the stock, then creating what they call a short squeeze, which is a parabolic rise in the stock. So simply put, they went after it because it was the most shorted stock. And, and what we did see after that, Muhammad, was we saw other shorted stocks, because this is all on public register, so you can find out which stocks are the most shorted, things like AMC, things like BlackBerry. Now, if you want to talk about AMC, they're in the business of cinemas. And I mean, you don't have to be you know, Warren Buffett to realize cinemas are a dying business. BlackBerry was another one that they went through. So from everything that I've read and everything that I've watched, this was targeted because it was the most short sale stock. And it got into a bit of a, you know, it was a, it was a fight. You know, it was a fight between David Goliath, between the retail guy and the hedge funds, and it just evolved from there. And it became this big global story that everybody's been talking about in the rest of the world that, you know, resulted in regulators coming in, resulted in brokerage firms halting the trading of the stock. I mean, this became more than anyone thought it was going to be. Mm. Yeah, GameStop has been overvalued massively in this movement, but was there anything within the industry that suggests that it's possible for the shares uh, to still survive and not fall as badly as the hedge funds were expecting or predicting before they shorted its shares? For example, the, the release of the new consoles, uh, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, and the beginning of these consoles' new life cycle have any influence or impact on GameStop's shares? Yeah, that's a good question, Mohammed. I mean, look, there's always a yes and no to an answer of this when we're dealing with a company. I think from the outset, when you look at hedge funds and what they do, you know they generally have a well-researched thesis behind why they're shorting a stock. There's a particular reason why GameStop was one of the most heavily shorted stocks in the world, or if not in America. And I mean, your viewers, your listeners would know this better. We, you know, we're dealing with gaming, which is a fast-growing industry, one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. But this was a company that sold games in a retail store, and we know where you know, box and dice, you know, mum and dad retail stores are going, we're all moving to online. Not only that, one of the major sources of revenue for GameStop was buying old used games off clients and then reselling them at a marked up price. And again, that's not a really solid business to build a foundation on. Not only that, GameStop was looking at pivoting towards selling mobile phones or cell phones because they were struggling with that gaming program. Now, on the other flip side of the coin is if GameStop can become the online retailer for games, then there are some, you know, green shoots for the business. But before I got on here with you, I just wanted to do a little bit of research. I jumped on Amazon. I jumped on Shopify. I dumped on Barber out of China. And they were all selling PS4 games. Now, the one thing about the, the console was up until a couple of weeks ago, if you went on GameStop's website, they actually said that uh, they had uh, PS4. PS5s, I should say, available. And I think you can tell me better than most that it's very hard to get a PS5 or an Xbox at the moment. Am I correct? Yep. Very difficult. Yeah. So some of the memes were, uh, memos were coming out that, you know, this is a commodity, that it's selling things that really want. But essentially, the business is overvalued for where it's priced at now. And there's a reason why people short these type of stocks because fundamentally, there's something wrong with the business. And every report that GameStop has come out with in the last year has shown 
that this is a business in decline. Not saying they can't turn around, but certainly shouldn't be valued where it is valued right now. Mm, but do you think that the shorting is perhaps a bit premature? No, not necessarily. I mean, the shorts were winning. I mean, you did get a. I mean, the shorts got beaten here. A lot of shorts got beaten, no doubt about it, because of a wave of buying. But was the thesis on being short game stock wrong? When I look at it in hindsight, no. Did they lose money? Yes, because they got a, a wave of buyers. But sometimes the market doesn't price things fairly like you think or your thesis fairly. You're dealing with a market of buy and sellers and demand and supply. So, you know, was it overly shorted? Possibly. But was there a reason for the shorting? Yes, I do believe so in terms of the business that it's in, particularly selling in a physical retail store, which most of its revenues is derived by. Okay. What will usually happen to companies that have been overvalued or shorted this way moving forward? I um. I'm a student of economics, uh, Muhammad. So I studied economics at the University of New South Wales. And one of the first things you learn, even in school economics, is market equilibrium. And a gentleman called Adam Smith in 1776 wrote a book, An Inquiry into the Wealth of Nations. And he talks about the invisible hand. And the invisible hand always brings demand and supply back to a fair price. And then I'll just quote one more quote, John Maynard Keynes who's a famous Keynesian economist, he said, the market can remain irrational um, longer than you can remain solvent. But he then goes on to say that, that we always find that fair price. So while things can be skewed and overvalued, eventually buyers and sellers will bring it back to value. So we've seen some of these short squeezes in history. There was a big Volkswagen short squeeze in the mid 2000s and 2008 now that was an overvalued company it came back to fair price there was a short squeeze on tesla last year but you know that was an undervalued company that's since rallied so it really depends upon the company that you're looking at um, there was another one a couple of years ago called herbalife where two big billionaires went at each other so eventually we will find the price now whether that's higher or lower always depends on the business. And I bring Tesla up for an example. That was a big short squeeze, but then people saw the value in Tesla and what they were doing, and that share price continued to go up and up and up for years to come. Whereas GameStop, I think, will be the opposite. So what investors need to understand, particularly newbie investors or investors that are coming in or retail, is that we're dealing with a market and the market is smarter than most of us, and eventually it'll find a fair price. It may take it a while, but it'll eventually will get back there. And and the one thing that we must understand about stocks is that we are buying businesses, right? We are taking ownership in businesses. So when we buy them, we're becoming owners of that business. So when we look at them, we should think of them as a business. And what are we buying? And is that fair value for the business? So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. It just depends on the stock. But I do believe, and this is not advice, I think that GameStop will actually return to all-time lows because of the nature of the business that it's in. Thank you very much, Jack. That was Jack Cousy, Director of Strategy at VFS Group, sharing his thoughts on the GameStop saga and how it'll affect the retailer moving forward. Daryl and Dashran Review on the news. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Daryl and Dashran. Let's go for a short break. Up next, the review of IO Interactive's latest effort, Hitman 3. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Wellplayed on BFM 89.9. dead after Romania. Our team found no records of any kind. No name. Nothing. I think they called me 47. That's 
not a name. So make it one. All right. Agent 47. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Yes, Agent 47, the bald man with a barcode on the back of his head, is back for one last hurrah in Hitman 3, the final game in the world of Assassination Trilogy. This is going to be IO Interactive's last Hitman game for now, before they move on to a different project. So let's check out whether the series ends on high. Joining me to talk about this game are BFM producer Fight Shazwan Kohiri and musician OJ Law. Do take note that there are some minor spoilers ahead describing certain levels and situations from the game. It's good. I think it's more of the same. So if you have gone into it having played the previous two Hitmans in this uh, reboot, then I think it's a no-brainer. You're, you're just going to get more of the same. And I think probably Hitman 3, if you haven't played any of these games before, is probably a great place to start because I like how you can basically play the entire game within. I mean, okay, you got to probably shell out for the Hitman 1 and Hitman 2 levels as well. But I just like the fact that, and I think this is quite rare, where the developers allow you to play the previous games in the series within the new game. So I've actually been revisiting some of the levels from Hitman 2, which I actually didn't play the first time because I think either I overlooked them or was too busy at the time. And um, so that's really nice to have that experience and playing it within the Hitman 3 engine as well with uh, how they've uh, improved the engine as well. Mm. Fike, what do you think of the game? I think it's brilliant, man. My most favorite thing about the game is that it is a short game. Yes. <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, there's this whole kind of like, it's uh, replayable, right? It has like a really strong replayability kind of like element to the game where like each level can be, can be even though you've completed a level, you can replay the level and have a completely different experience. But what I primarily like about the game is that just the course of the main story, it wasn't too long. And the older I get, the more happy I am with like shorter games. Yeah, games really outstay their welcome, I feel, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time. They're not, they're not made for, I feel a lot of games are not made for adults, like working yeah. adults or adults with families and stuff. Because, you know, I, I probably get maybe an hour most to play a game uh, every night now and uh so if you know half an hour of that is a cut scene then i'm not going to play it you know so, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not playing any kojima games anymore <laughs> i just don't have time or final fantasy game it's yeah. just like these uh time suckers uh, i can't do it so yeah. having a game where where you just start the game and then you're pretty much you know okay there's like a one minute cut scene in yeah. the beginning but after that you're straight into it and you're playing yeah. that that's what i need in my life from a from a game now for yeah. sure yeah but also even though even though like the main first run is relatively shorter shorter game than 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 if you compare it to other games it's still a satisfying experience yeah you don't feel shortchanged by the game it hits the right spots you actually feel like a hitman when you play the game yeah, a you really I mean? a really crap hit, man. Really cra- well, it depends, you know what I mean? <laughs> because of the mechanics of the game, you can kind of like save at yeah, a, certain, yeah. a certain area. Yeah. And if you mess it up, 
And if you do just one thing slightly off of yeah. what you think a hitman would do, you can just reload that part. And so, the, like are you are you a, are you a safe scummer? Is that is I that am a, definitely a safe scummer, man. <laughs> yeah. Like the the slightest wrong move that I would make in a game, and yeah. like that's that's not cool. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that he wouldn't he wouldn't have like done that or whatever. I would reload it and like do it perfectly. I kind of go back and forth. Like sometimes if it's like gone too far, then I'll reload. But sometimes I just try to like work my way out of the situation. So if like something doesn't go right and like I'm being discovered, basically I try to take everyone out and then and then just like get out of wherever I am and hide and get a new new disguise so they don't see me anymore. So then I can walk back in. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like w- w- when I mess up, right? And yeah. then I just start going crazy as I yeah. start like slapping everybody and stuff like that, <laughs> like shooting everybody. Yeah. And then just reload the game again and then like do it properly. So this is something that I set for myself. I try not to kill people if possible. And yeah, and, and, yeah. So, so whenever I'm stuck in that moment where I can't get myself out of that situation, I will usually try and reload the game. But, you know, eventually I, I try to be a bit more fair quote unquote and, and, and decided, decided to just like handle the situation first if, only if I, I can't handle the situation properly then only I will reload but but that's interesting right I mean like the flexibility that, that were given to you is pretty liberating I mean having not ever experienced a Hitman game before I, I, I kind of like that flexibility uh, but at the same time you also try and set a different kind of rule or, or like a specific play style for you right like for me as soon as I start the game I, I tell myself that okay I'm not gonna kill unnecessarily I won't kill anyone unless I really really have to so I ended up trying to be very disciplined in that sense like, yeah. I think that's really common to be the try to be the silent assassin and try to not be uh, noticed by anyone and take out the target and then get out of there. And I think I go in with the intention of doing the same thing, but I like to be flexible. And just like if I get put in a situation where I have to, you know, take someone out because they're going to, you know, call the cops on me or whatever, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you know, that I think that for me, that's part of the joy. And, and again, you're right. The, the flexibility is, is great as well. Cause I'm sure if you wanted to play it straight as like a, as a third person shooter and just like go in and like take everyone out in the level, you can also play like that. And uh, the game will not p- penalize you for doing that. At the end of the day, if you take out the target and you know, all the casualties around it don't matter just that you're just like a, a really horrible person, <laughs> even more horrible than you already are. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that flexibility is, I think that's what makes, uh, you know, I, for me, like Hitman is, uh, really the, one of the most sort of open games in terms of like, you know, you get a lot of games claiming that, you know, you have freedom to do, uh, whatever you want. And then you play the game and you're like, okay, there's, freedom but it's limited like especially in open world games you know when you're going around you're like okay i you know i want to you 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 want to do something and then suddenly you find out you're limited because the game hasn't been designed for you to do that uh while i feel with hitman they do give you a lot of tools a lot of areas uh to play in and uh yeah uh, a lot of creativity i would say yeah yeah so so i've, I've been in the game right and yeah. there's this one particular level uh, I think it's like the third level or something like that. Um, Which one how, is it? This is this is the one that was kind of like uh, it, it's in this kind of like uh, like this Berlin, uh, right? Like Berlin, yeah, like Berlin. Oh, that was amazing. Type, type of club kind of yeah. situation. And I played the game, uh, beat the level, all that kind of stuff. And I had my own kind of like experience with it, right? You know, going through my choices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then after you know after I finished the game, my my girlfriend played the level the same exact same level and then i was kind of sitting next to her 
and, and I was just like looking at what she was doing and she was doing completely different things than what I did in my playthrough. And she was having a completely different experience uh, for that level than I did. Like they even had like different enemies that I didn't encounter when I played it in my first playthrough, which mm. I thought was, was completely brilliant. And because the level is so big, right? The map of each level feels really huge. Yeah, there's some places you don't even see. Yes, like a, a lot, a lot, a lot of the the choices that my girlfriend made got her to places that yeah, like I I never even went through or passed in in my in my playthrough, and it feels like you, especially in that level. Though I can't remember what the level's called. Yeah, Berlin, the the club, right? Yeah, yeah, the club. Yeah. But like, it's really cool because you start off in the forest. Yeah. And then you kind of like go in, you start like, you know, like looking for your targets and stuff. And then suddenly like you're in the club. Well, what, like... what was amazing, I mean, the thing I was playing it and I had my like uh, my my speakers on and stuff. And like uh, and when I was playing and I was playing like quite late at night and then suddenly you're in the club and the music is like really loud, yeah. like really pumping. And it actually feels like you're in there. And I was just like, oh, wow, the, the sound design is amazing. And then as you leave and you go outside, you can kind of hear the music in the distance. And I was just... Uh, yeah, it, it really sort of uh, conveyed that sort of experience of being in a nightclub like really, really well, really accurately, I think. Yeah. You want to try something different? Yeah, sure. Any preferences? You look like a citrus type to me. Uh, uh surprise me. You got it. Heading, heading towards like a slightly spoiler-filled territory here. That mission is also pretty interesting because your handler is no longer around with you, right? Technically, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but basically you're technically on your own at that particular moment. And there weren't that many clues. Usually you'll have your handler, Diana Burnwood, you know, saying things to you, you know, hinting at things. But in that particular moment, you don't have anyone. Uh, so you ended up having to just figure things out on your own. And I think that's also the beauty of the game as well. That it forces you to explore... Uh, these spaces and and let either through you know whether you eavesdrop conversations or you you know just try and walk into different areas stories happen to you right triple shift there's so much going on here i've had four staff update meetings already and now that crazy manager called us into another meeting so now we've got to memorize new lists of guest names passwords for the terminals and new special dietary needs i mean there's an actual limit to the amount of information that you can bring say and i'm pretty sure i've Stories happen to you and this is how somehow one way or another you try to figure out how to, I guess, move on from from, from the situation, right? I mean, your, the mission objective is always just eliminate person A, person B, but then it's the way and the manner in which you go about it that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, and the level design is incredible. I mean, I feel that that's what Hitman as a series really excels at compared to other games is that when you go to these locations, they feel real. You know, when you go around and you, you're exploring and you find all these different sort of areas... Uh, I think parts of buildings that other games wouldn't really sort of like care to make so detailed in terms of like what's there to do things you can do there or the people who are in the certain, you know, these different parts. So in, we're talking about Berlin. So you have like uh, the different bars and the changing rooms for the people who work there, the backstage areas for the DJs and, you know, and they, they have their own thing going on. And then, you know, you go to the roof and the, the security guards on the roof. And so, um, yeah, it's just I just I just love exploring. It just rewards you for this game really rewards you for just looking around and, uh, you know, checking out, exploring the whole the whole thing. Just just on that. Right. OJ. So on that same level, because you mentioned all the kind of spaces that I went through. Yep. 
they they have a they have like a like a drug ring in the club that oh, I really yeah <laughs> like <laughs> like complete with like bikers and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah oh that's outside of the club right yeah. yeah 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 but i was like completely amazed when i saw you know my girlfriend's playthrough and i completely missed that complete yeah. you know huge section of the game or or, or 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 of the level i i yeah i i, I don't think i saw that <laughs> yeah and the interesting thing about that level also is that you can actually there are actually more than five agents so i mean if you care enough you can actually eliminate the other six agents if you want to Oh, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, that's thing as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, d- I didn't even realize. Yeah, I must have like not like you know read the uh, mission briefing properly. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I killed the five, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I did as well. But I later found out that apparently that there are the six six agents that you can choose to kill if you want to. Right. And that's the interesting part because I. During my playthrough, I didn't even find like the other six. That and yeah. it was even a struggle for me to find the, the the last one. Like I mean, the 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 two agents. Like it was difficult for me to like look for them. Like I was like trying to find, and, and I have to walk around almost to all the random parts of the club, and then only I managed to find my last target at that time. Thinking mm. that that's my last target, but apparently, yeah, there are other agents that if you choose to play that way, you can find and kill all the other targets as well, which is I, I think is pretty interesting. Mm. <laughs> Um, speaking of like, I, I think earlier you mentioned OJ that you can choose to run and gun, right? I guess the interesting thing about Hitman is that prior to playing it, I always look at the gameplay and I feel like the gunplay might be a bit clunky. And I think to a certain extent, it is kind of clunky. Not that that's a bad thing that if you want to choose to play uh, the run and gun method, right? But I feel like maybe it was designed slightly to be a bit clunky. I don't know what it's on purpose, but it's just that it has always been that way apparently. And I, I feel like it's always weird to use a gun in, in, in a game like Hitman, but, but that's an option for you to if you choose to do so. But because it's kind of clunky, I feel like maybe that's why I, I choose to not engage in firefights that much. Yeah. One thing I, I've noticed about this game is that when you use, let's say, you want to kill someone by throwing a knife or a screwdriver at them, the game has a will auto-aim at someone's head and that's great. So you, you don't even have to think about it that much. You're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to like, I'm going to screwdriver this guy. And, and then it's done. Well, the auto aim when you're using a gun, there isn't, or there's very little, if there's any, you know, it's a lot harder to aim. So that's, I think that's maybe why it feels clunky. It doesn't really hold your hand when you're trying to aim. So I find like I'm just going like, to scatter shotting everywhere, assuming I'm not trying to like, you know, silently, you know, headshot someone from. I just we're just talking about this game. I think we just sound really psychotic just talking about like how we're going approaching killing people. Yeah, uh, talking about yeah. MOs, right? Yeah, I, I have a personal favorite. Uh, I like to use poison. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The lethal poison or the rat poison? The rat poison. Oh yeah, yeah. and then uh, drowning them in the toilet. That's always a that's always a laugh. <laughs> um, story wise, um, based on what I've heard, people don't play Hitman. For the story, I don't even. Uh, I, I but, don't yeah. even. I have no idea what happened in the, in the story. <laughs> the <game. laughs> but, but, but it feels like with the third one. I mean, because I started playing with the third, I guess, entry in the series. Um, it feels uh, like yeah. there is a story to tell. Like they were trying to tell a story, or, they, uh, or at least they're trying to conclude a story. So you wait. You haven't played the first two Hitman games. Yeah, I think you need to go back, and there are some really amazing levels uh, in Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. I think that's the thing about Hitman 3. While I loved it, 
I feel my f- probably my favorite levels were still in Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. Not that I'm saying the levels are bad. They're definitely, maybe as I replay them, then I'll sort of learn to love them more. But it's okay. I mean, I think the thing is that I started this game and I, I couldn't really remember what happened in the previous Hitman games. I didn't watch the summary. That's probably my own fault. So I just wanted to go straight into the game. Uh, but yeah, I don't think the story is that important to me. I think it's more about experiencing the levels and the gameplay. Yeah, I, I'm like Faik. When it got to the end, I was like, oh, I had to like take out this guy because the game told me to. But I didn't I, I didn't really know what, what he had done to, to deserve it. Yeah, the reason I brought up the story is because I, I feel like the final level was pretty disappointing. Not, not because it's kind of weak or anything. It's just that I feel like it's a bit too linear. And I feel like it's linear because they do want to conclude the story. That's why it feels like, oh, okay, so this is... And, and it's a weird setting that they chose to do it on, but I feel like it's interesting enough. It's just that because there are other games out there that have done... The train thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I feel like, oh, okay, Uncharted 2 probably did it better or despite not being in the same genre, Uncharted 2 probably had a more like a more exciting feature compared to what Hitman 3 was trying Let- to do. I had a better train sequence. Yeah. 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 Although, I mean, they are two different games. I don't think it's fair to compare them directly, but I feel like I've experienced a train level in a game before, so I kind of know what to expect. And and that's not so much you can, I guess, elaborate from there, like in terms of like um, making it a bit more creative, right? And for me, at least the final level was, I started killing a lot more people because... I was more invested in the story and I know that, okay, you know, my mission is to kill the constant or something, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I decided to just kill all the other characters as well. Like just, and I almost run and gun here and there or I just dispose their bodies because I feel like, oh, okay, yeah. There's not much you can do. The flexibility has gone by then, I feel. So I was slightly disappointed with the final level. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It definitely was like, uh, felt more linear. And uh, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I think when I realized that the game was trying to wrap something up and it felt more like um, rather than being a hitman, it's a, it's a revenge mission or whatever, you know, uh, then I think I, I just kind of accepted that, okay, you know, you're angry at something and, you know, no one's going to stand in your way of, you know, getting to the target at the, obviously at the end of the train, <laughs> which you got to go from one side of the train to the other. But yeah, it definitely didn't feel obviously like a hitman level in the, in the way that the other levels did so but it's okay i mean um again yeah they definitely i think they definitely felt they needed to wrap up the story yeah maybe the problem with the game is that they felt like they needed to wrap up a story that wasn't you know that nobody that nobody cared about <laughs> yeah yeah so they didn't really need to you know yeah um yeah. so going back to i think a point that you made earlier oj uh, about the levels um after finishing Hitman 3, I feel like I really want to play Hitman 1 and 2. Uh, but I'm going to probably wait for them to be on discount first uh, before getting them. But uh, in terms of the levels, uh, you said earlier that Hitman 2 and perhaps even the first Hitman had better levels. Um, can you elaborate a bit on that? It, it might be a nostalgia thing. And it's funny talking about nostalgia, talking about some games that are not that old. But when the, when the Hitman reboot first came out, it came out after this other game, Hitman Absolution. And that game really uh, was a deviation away from what Hitman is. So you imagine the last Hitman level, which was very linear and didn't really have that many uh, opportunities to, you know, be that silent assassin person. 
And uh, that was basically Hitman Absolution. It, it when that came out, it was really disappointing for people who are fans of you know that Hitman style. It was more of a, of a cover shooter. And so when the Hitman reboot came out, and then it sort of went back to its roots, that just felt really satisfying. And um, one of the first levels in that game was one. Uh, it's uh, uh, it takes place in Italy in Sapienza and. Um, I think playing that level after the disappointment of Absolution and then realizing they had designed an entire little town for you to sort of like wander around and sort of be that sort of hitman character, uh, sort of, you know, that this, you know, you're kind of like a hitman, but you're also a detective as well, sort of going around trying to figure things out. That was just such a joyous moment, I guess, sort of like a game sort of returning to its roots. Uh, and so I think that's why, I mean, also it's an amazing level, so that's why you need to play it. I'm also a big fan of Hitman levels that take place during sort of like daytime, uh, which is why also Mendoza is a great level for me as well, because it's a daytime level. There's just something, um, when you play the, the Hitman levels and, and some of them are really dark and moody, mysterious, it kind of plays to type, like you expect like a, a Hitman, like a game called Hitman to be dark and, uh, you know, uh, dirty and grungy but then when they ha- make levels which are more sort of like you know during the daytime and it just takes place in a normal place and people are just getting on with their lives and that i, I really like that contrast uh so sapienza is like that and obviously um mendoza is like that and yeah when levels do that then i i really do enjoy that and then there's one in hitman 2 which takes place in uh the maldives on the resort so that has the same sort of vibe as well um, yeah, I like I, I I do like the my daytime hitman levels. That's quite a I think that's quite a niche <laughs> thing. Make all the levels daytime. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I think this is the last hitman game, right? And but the interesting thing is that I think uh, IO Interactive is working on a 007 game, right? A James Bond game. So I think with the success that they've had with Hitman and the way the game is structured, I have faith in them. I guess pulling off. A James Bond game, right? It would be interesting to see how, how they would do that, right? Uh, it's just that maybe they, like, at least personally for me, I think they would need to work on the gunplay as well. And perhaps it would be interesting to see how they would pull off a more action game vibe with a game like James Bond. I, I don't even think it needs to be that action-y, to be honest. I mean, I feel like some of the Hitman levels, they could almost, if you put James Bond in them, it would work. So I think, I, I feel like probably it's going to be a mix like maybe some levels are going to be action levels, which are all out, you know, driving the fast cars and, you know, and, uh, shooting people. But then I feel there there will be, le- there should be levels where you're just sort of like wandering around, checking out the scene and, you know, being a suave dude, you know, drinking or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's the James Bond vibe. And I think, yeah, I think they're, they, they have the tools to do it. You, you're right. They do need to work on the gunplay for sure. Uh, and probably like working on set pieces, which um, I guess are—I don't necessarily love them because you know when you have uh, when you have a games that have set pieces, it's almost like you you might as well be watching a cutscene where you occasionally press a button. Uh, they're not necessarily that interactive, but they almost feel like necessary in blockbuster games. I guess you know you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, that seems to be the trend these days. Yeah. But yeah, I think they they have uh, they have the talent to make 
probably a really I'm really excited to see what they do with uh, the James Bond franchise. Yeah, they're they're very talented. All right. Okay. So I guess we have to end our conversation soon. Uh, final thoughts, guys. Uh, Hitman Three worth getting now, or like should people wait for a discount, or uh, do you guys like, think that it's a, it's a must play? Always wait for a sale if you're not invested in the game. I, I say that, especially games like uh, you know they go on sale nowadays really really quickly. So probably if you wait like you know three months or so, then you can you get the game at you know half price or a third off or something and yeah you know saving money is always good especially now so fight discount for sure wait, wait for the discount but what, but or, or just regardless, wait for, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant game yeah. But, I, yeah or just wait for if you haven't played any of these games just wait for them to bundle the trilogy together exactly it's like some amazing uh you know game of the year oh. edition which has because i think if you're going into the game and you're not a fan and you know we talk about how we like this game because it's short and you know that's nice but i think a lot of people want value you know they want to have a game that you know will take them you know at least 30 hours or 50 hours to play which you, which you can get from hitman 3 if you replay it but i think if you haven't played the game and you can you know buy the entire trilogy which would be like i guess like 18 to 20 levels of hitman then you know that's that's amazing you know if you haven't gone into it before that's uh, that's a lot of value uh, and i'm sure that's going to come out you know fairly soon yeah, and I think uh, it depends on how you see value as well, right? I think despite it being a quote-unquote slightly short game, the replayability factor is also quite high. So if you're the kind of gamer that prefers to, I guess, play uh, these games multiple times, Hitman 3 is a perfect game for that, right? Or Hitman, the Hitman series even, like, it's a for perfect sure. game. To, to for sure, if you, if, you, if, you, if you want replayability in a game, then Hitman's definitely in one of the, the top games. If you ever want to experience what it feels like being a hitman without actually killing anybody, this is the perfect thing for you. Thank you very much, Faik Shazwan Kuhiri and OJ Law for joining us on our review of IO Interactive's Hitman 3 out now on consoles and PC via Epic Games. If you have finished the game and are now waiting for more, the publisher has also announced additional content roadmap for the month of February recently, so do check that out. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.